The following is a presentation of AOW Productions. This program contains adult content. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed by the host of this program do not necessarily say to reflect those of this station or its management. Bringing you controversy at its best with uncensored music, comedy, and political discussion. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Outlaw Radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Outlaw Radio for the 19th of June, 2021. I am your host, Bad Billy. Great show lined up for you today. In just a little bit, you're going to hear an interview that uh, I recorded with a man named Dex Digga. He's with the band, a brand new band called A New Addiction. A new is one word, A-N-E-W, Addiction. Yes. He's also with the band... uh, three years hollow. So be good to uh, hear the interview with him. Later on in the show, you're going to hear a conversation I had with somebody that I met while I was in South Dakota, a man by the name of Taylor Burtz, who was uh, working security, armed security, and uh, armed himself, of course, with a standard Old West, old-fashioned revolver. And uh, we have a discussion, and then uh, in the third hour, going to be a new segment uh, with the icon Stephen James. Before we get to any of that, I want to cue the newest single, the only single out right now by a new addiction. This is called Disaster. I'll now be back with the interview with Dex Digga right after this. And we go a little something like this. Hit it. From a rented basement, because Bad Billy's mom threw him out. It's Outlaw Radio.
Hey there, thrill seeker, rocking out to the station. I hear you, you're probably even sipping on a drink right now. An average blah blah drink in a can or bottle, one that doesn't quite hit the spot for you. I'll bet you want something different, don't you? Something more. Take your shot with Cold Cock Whiskey, the best whiskey anywhere. Why? Because it's different from other liquors. Cold Cock Whiskey is herbal whiskey, 100% all natural herbs blended with aged American whiskey. No more morning after sugar hangovers from other liquors. With Cold Cock's blend of herbs, including green tea, hibiscus, ginger, eucalyptus, and more, you'll be in herbal heaven. Cold Cock Whiskey, available at spirit stores and distributors America-wide. Find one near you at coldcockwhiskey.com. Follow Cold Cock Whiskey on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Celebrate those special moments with friends. Raise your glass. Take your shot. You must be 21 or older to drink Cold Cock Whiskey. Please drink responsibly. Because there are some people out there who need practical advice. And yes, I'm talking about you. Wisdom beyond value from the desk of Mr. Holland. The only B word you should ever call a woman is beautiful. Bitches love being called beautiful. Ooh, is that Mr. Holland? Yes, ma'am. Please don't touch. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with with liberty and justice for all. Imagine a silent world where these words do not exist. Freedom of speech. Let your voice be heard. This message is brought to you by the NAB Education Foundation, the Broadcast Education Association, Robert R. McCormick Foundation, and this station. First, there was Cranked Up Live. This is Cranked Up Live. Then, Cranked Up Went Country. Today's best and tomorrow's greats. Cranked Up Country. Now, Cranked Up Live is back. This is a sizzling hot podcast. Cranked Up Live. Curtis McKinney and Brad Hennington will keep you listening, keep you laughing, and keep you coming back for more. Convicted felons will no longer be called convicted felons. Do you know what they want to call them, Curtis? <laughs> no. Justice-involved individuals is what they renamed them. Listen and download the podcasts at crankeduplive.com. Check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash crankeduplive. Cranked Up Live. Some material may not be suitable for children under 18. I'm Nick, and you're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we say what the fuckity fuck we want. No exceptions. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard Disaster by A New Addiction, and it is my pleasure to welcome Dex Digga of A New Addiction to the show. How you doing, brother? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? Doing very well. Thank you very much for joining the show. Absolutely glad to be here. Yes, yes. So, I mean, you've uh, you've been in uh, the industry at least uh, for the last nine years, but a new addiction is uh, something brand new. Of course, you just released that song uh, about the right around the beginning of this month. Uh, For those who are not familiar, uh, why don't you give a little background on yourself and uh, tell us about uh, what you've done in the past and uh, what you're currently doing right now. Uh, sure. Um, 
so yeah, I guess uh, I've been involved in the in the music industry. I'd say, you know, things start. I'm also I also play in the band Three Years Hollow, um, which is the band that I'm more known for. Um, uh, it, it, I'd say around 2010 is when things kind of started popping off that band, and then we uh, we ultimately signed our deal in 2012 or 2013, something like that. I can't remember. Um, so yeah, you know, I've been I've been around the music business, you know, for a long time. Um, and even, you know, before that, I grinded it out, you know, uh, locally and regionally and, uh, you know, all the area, all the, all the stepping stones to get to where uh, I am today. <clears throat> oh, yes. Um, yes, indeed. Oh, go on. Um, so, yeah, to, uh, I guess um, fast forward then to, uh, you know, to what I'm doing currently now. Um, I've, yeah, I've got a new project called The New Addiction, uh, which is very heavily bass and drum driven. Um, but it's also, you know, it's also got, uh, a, a pretty, um, standard rock formula as far as, you know, the way the songs are written. So, um, they also, you know, they also are rather, uh, catchy, I guess you might say. Um, so yeah, this whole project came about, uh, I, I had some some songs that I've been working on. I'd say over the past I don't know decade, uh, some of the some of the uh, you know licks that I'm using in these songs I had written a long time ago, and I uh, wrote a bunch of arrangements on bass that were all um, you know uh, just the type of bass playing that the style of bass playing that I like to use. Uh, and we, rather than your traditional, um, recording process, we, uh, you know, we track bass first, then drums, uh, then guitars and then vocals. It was a little bit backwards, but it made the process a little bit different. Uh, and I think it kind of made the songs a little more unique. So, um, yeah, that's kind of, you know, what I've been doing now, uh, uh, in very early stages for this band. Um, I, 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 like you said, I, I just released a single June 11th and, uh, from what I'm, I'm, I'm being told it's, it's, you know, it's doing really well. Um, you know, I'm like Spotify and, uh, you know, I'm doing three to four interviews a day now. So, um, <laughs> yes. you know, people are, people are definitely interested in, in the product for sure. Yes. Yes. Uh, would you say that, uh, cause uh, I mean, I remember when uh, Three Years Hollow uh, came out, and uh, I remember when uh, when Chemical Ride, uh, you know, when I first heard that song, and I I thought that was a great song. Of course, um, I have to be honest, kind of forgotten about it until uh, recently when I was doing my research. And I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. And um, <laughs> obviously, though, uh, you say that uh, th this is really breaking out in the scene, and uh, of course, uh, mine is one of many inter interviews that you've been you've been doing. So, would you say sure. uh, from the from the early stages, the success with a new addiction is a little bit better than uh, when with uh, three years hollow? Um, I no, I definitely would not say that. I mean, when when things started to really pop off for, for three years hollow, um, you know, we were one of the quickest <clears throat> rising new bands out there. I mean, we just literally got thrown out on the road and we're like, all right, here you go. 
uh, do your thing. And um, it just got to a point where we had to take a little time off to kind of regroup. And in that time, just, you know, things happen, life happens. And uh, we had, we had to end up taking a little bit more time off and um, yeah. So we, you know, haven't three years hollow hasn't done a lot since I would say 2016, you know, 2017. Um, Yeah. But there are, but there are some, some plans to, uh, to be doing stuff here in the future. So, so three years hollow, I take it hasn't gone anywhere. It's just kind of like put on the back burner for right now while we focus on a new addiction. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say that I, I, this, uh, to be honest, the new addiction was, was just supposed to be, uh, uh, you know, I wanted to release a couple songs and then the more we started digging into the songs and, uh, you know, showing other people, they were like, okay, let's, you know, let's do something to actually get this product out there. Um, so uh, I didn't really anticipate, um, you know, uh, any, huge success with the song right off the bat. But, you know, I mean, I'll absolutely take, you know, whatever, uh, whatever comes my way for sure. Um, but I, going back to your question about, you know, uh, do I think this is more successful than, than three years hollow? It's just different. You know, this is three years hollow. Our goal was always to, um, you know, sign, sign a deal and get out on the road and, and, uh, mm-hmm. play for the fans that isn't my goal at the moment with the new addiction. My, my goal right now is just to get content out there. Um, and then, you know, after I release the EP, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about that here in a second. Um, then, you know, I'll maybe focus on putting a band, a live band together and we'll go on the road. Gotcha. Or do some dates. Gotcha. Yeah. So I mean, you said a little while ago that you had to take, you know, you took some time off to, and all that, and I and I can only imagine uh, with COVID hitting, uh, of course, that uh, gave you more time off than you probably uh, intended. But uh, given given the past year, and now we're starting to recover from COVID, uh, what would you say are some of the uh, positives you've uh, taken dur- during this time, even though it's it, it it's not been a good time. It's 2020 has been a shit year, but uh, it's starting to get a little bit better in in that uh, perspective. What positive do you think you can take uh, out of COVID? Um, Well, it definitely gave me, I mean, I I work in, um, you know, a trade that that I never really missed a beat as far as work, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, other than music. So, um, uh, it, I mean, there's, I had a lot of time to put this whole project together, to be honest, and work with, um, you know, some really great players in the industry that had time off too. So, man, I've been, even, you know, even stuff other than a new addiction, I've been playing on just a lot of different, uh, you know, content, um, playing with a lot of other musicians as well. So it was, I, you know, I, I, I'm no way, in no way thrilled with, uh, you know, COVID or, or the last, uh, year or 14 months or however long it's been. But, um, I guess, yeah, if, if I could take something positive away from it, it would be, uh, 
the fact that I just, you know, I had a little extra time in my scheduling to, uh, to be able to get this a new addiction thing out there. And I think that's why it kind of, I had, you know, I originally, I didn't plan on putting, you know, a ton of, uh, I guess, effort into it. I wanted to release a couple songs just kind of for me personally, but then having uh, a little extra time, I'm like, all right, well, let's, let's throw these songs out there and, and uh, do a little push with it and see what happens, you know? Yeah, I mean uh, that's that's uh, the answer I'm getting uh, to to a lot to that question. A lot is there's uh, there's a lot more writing or there's a lot more time in the studio or uh, there's there's uh, unfinished projects that may have been unfinished for quite some time that are finally getting done. You know, just little things like that uh, that uh, a lot of artists are taking out of this uh, whole thing. And uh, now uh, with the clouds lifting. Uh, are are you looking forward to uh, getting back on stage? Oh man, for sure. Um, yeah, I I haven't. Well, I did like a little uh, like an Instamix session um, where we got up and, and played a song that we wrote right there on the spot. Uh, but other than that, man, I haven't I haven't played since January of 2020. I've not been on stage. I can, I, man, that, that's, that's rough. I, I understand too. I mean, yeah, but, uh, that's, I mean, I love doing the studio stuff, you know, but I really like to perform. It's, you know, that's what I like to do. Um, so yeah, uh, it is what it is though. You know, I, I, it was nice to just kind of take a little time off and I'm not, you know, I don't get super upset about things and, let them bring me down. I just kind of keep pushing forward. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. But one thing I, I must say too, I mean, uh, I mean, since the beginning of COVID too, I mean, I'm talking to a lot of the younger generation and, uh, some of them are saying like, uh, they're the best concert experience is watching it live on YouTube. And I'm like, are you serious? I mean, they're, no. <laughs> they're, well, that doesn't, you're not going to get the same kind of energy <laughs> as, as watching a band play live, whether you're in some dirty dive bar or you're, you know, your front row center at Madison square garden. That doesn't matter. You're, you're not going to get that kind of energy watching it on TV or on the internet. Yeah, there's, there's literally no comparison there. Um, and even talking to, you know, some of my friends that, uh, um, you know, in some, uh, acts that are, you know, national touring artists currently, uh, that did do some of the, the online stuff, <clears throat> you know, they were like, yeah, man, you know, it was, it was cool. It was fun. We're glad we got to do it for the fans, but it is just nothing compared to, to being there with, <laughs> you know, the fans screaming and, and bouncing on stage and you know, it's complete, completely different experience. Yes, yes. Uh, about, about how long uh, were you in the uh, local or regional uh, scene b- before uh, Three Years Hollow really took off? Um, man, I, God, I'd say since probably like since I was in high school pretty much, you know, since I was probably 17. So we're going all the way back to like 2000s. Um, 
you know, that time. So, uh, but I'd say the regional stuff was around, you know, 2007 to 2010 ish, 2011. And then, uh, I mean, we were on some pretty big stuff, you know, like we were on the upper tour and, and, uh, you know, we did some really, some really, uh, uh, big tours early on with, with three YH. So it was, you know, it went kind of from zero to, to a hundred, uh, really, really, really fast. And it was crazy, man. It was a good time. Yes. Yes. It, you know, and, uh, at that, at that time too, we've gradually seen, uh, some changes and some big changes too. See, I, I'm a, I'm a child of the eighties and nineties. So I'm, I'm going back a little bit farther, right. but back, back then, if you really wanted to, wanted to do something, make a name for yourself, you know, you had to go to places like New York or uh, Los Angeles and here, here you are, you know, you started the regional circuit and that's, that was the dawning of the uh, digital age too, to where all you need now is the internet. Um, you know, you were just, I, I think you're coming off the heels of the era that I'm talking about and just uh, at the yep. very beginning, um, you know, so, uh, so how, how was it, you know, put, putting out your sound, uh, basically via the, the internet, like everybody's basically doing now, but, uh, at that time when it was, uh, when it was just beginning, um, was it still pretty difficult to put your uh, sound out there or how did that work? Are we talking about three years? Uh, yes. Years hollow, and you, you yourself, uh, basically. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. Can you ask? <laughs> I kind of lost it there. What was the question? The exact no, question again? Oh, no problem. So, you know, basically I told you, you know, I'm basically a child of the 80s and 90s. And basically you wanted to put your sound out there. It was normally done with maybe reel-to-reel or cassette tapes or Maybe a CD if sure. you're lucky. Then, of course, we're uh, getting to the point where we can record on CDs and going into the uh, digital age in the early 2000s. Um, um, but uh, back then when it was starting, it was still a little bit difficult from what I understand to get your sound out there. Today, it's a lot easier. It's, it's still kind of difficult today, but a lot easier than what it used to be. And you were at the beginning of that time. And How was it for you personally getting your sound out there? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, I'd say around, what should we say? Like the MySpace time, you know, those when, um, yes. I mean, I guess before that there was a lot of, uh, typical, you know, online outlets where you could listen and purchase, but, uh, you know, once like MySpace and those, I remember, man, we used to, we used to grind it out on MySpace, you know, for the trying to get the the name, the band name out there, and and you know, getting plays and and you know all the stuff that was, uh, you know, looked at on MySpace as being you know making you a a more successful artist or a bigger artist or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, after that, I did kind of I guess live through, um, you know, both of those. I the first demos I ever did. Uh, you know, we're on, um, was on a four track with a cassette, you know, recorder in my parents' basement, you know, so, but that was, of course, you know, when I was, uh, in high school, very young. Um, 
but then yeah once we got into uh you know like cd duplication and stuff like that i just remember you know just everything kind of slowly progressing and then like you said around um you know what what 2007 8 is when you know the internet just started really really um being an easy place to, you know, to, to put your music out there, you know, outlets like garage band and, uh, my and then Facebook and, and, uh, you know, YouTube and, and yeah, there's just a million different ways to put your music out there now, which is pretty incredible. So it, it kind of gives, um, the underground artists, um, you know, a little bit of a, I guess, uh, I don't know, a chance to kind of get out there and, and, you know, bang with the big guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, yeah, like it was what you said, 2010, 2011 with, uh, three, three years, all of coming out with uh chemical ride. I mean, right. that, uh, that right there. I mean, overall, if you could describe the success of, uh, that time frame in what one word, crazy <laughs> there you go <laughs> <laughs> the whole ride was crazy yes yes and uh the name a new addiction uh you, it's a new is one word and uh what what uh where did that come from exactly <laughs> um <laughs> well we just uh i we just we needed i needed a name and uh i kind of my manager, Tom Baumgartner and I, um, we, I don't know, we kind of just were bouncing ideas back and forth. I'd pitch some names and he'd kind of just give me his honest opinion. Um, and then I kind of just started looking into it a little bit deeper and I, I, uh, I was like, all right, well, I want, if this is going to be something of mine, then I want it, you know, to reflect, you know, something about me. So, um, that's kind of when I came up with, with the, uh, a new addiction thing, which, um, and I don't want to sound like I've, I, I, you know, I, I've had serious drug issues or anything like that in my life, but there's been times where, uh, you know, uh, I've gotten to some things that probably weren't beneficial for my life. Um, you know, because I do have a, a very addictive personality, but as you start to figure yourself out and, and, uh, you know, realize those things, um, you know, I just figured out what, what worked best to keep me away from the bad things was the music. You know, I just, I would always come back to that no matter what. Um, and just, that was kind of the driving force that would always, you know, keep me going and, uh, keep me focused on something you know, at all times. Well, you know, you make a very interesting point there, Dex, because, uh, I mean, let's look at the word addiction alone, and it's too often over the past uh, how many 50, 60 years it's been associated with something negative, addicted to drugs, addicted to alcohol, addicted to porn, addicted to whatever, you know. But yes, sir. Is every single addiction out there a bad thing? Yes, drugs, alcohol—that's not so good. I understand that. 
But how about being addicted to music? Is that so bad? Absolutely not. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, that's, and that's, that's, man, you, you, uh, explain that very well. I'm going to use that next, next interview. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I just, kinda... no, yeah, you're spot, you're spot on. I yeah. mean, it, and you hear this from a lot of people in the music industry, man, there's, you know, a lot of people, um, say the same thing. They're like, if I'm not playing music, then I'm, I'm probably going to be doing, you know, some dumb shit. So, uh, and, and again, man, I'm, you know, I'm a very, I've got, you know, I've got a son I'm, I'm a very responsible adult, but I know, you know, I know myself very well and, uh, yeah, I know how to keep myself out of trouble. And being addicted to being a father and living life, what's so bad about that? It's amazing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. So, you know, so absolutely nothing. So, yeah, so, for so, sure. So, you know, it, you, I just think you got to take, you got to take specific words and try to put them in a different light because too many people just associate them with something bad. They're, they assume something bad right off the bat and they, they don't know, uh, they don't, you know, they, they just don't know from first, uh, the first reaction. And it, yeah, again, that's spot on. Um, yeah, but yeah, it, it, there's nothing wrong with being addicted to, um, being with, you know, your children or being with, uh, someone you care about or, or, or playing music or, you know, hitting the gym, you know, um, there's a lot of a lot of good things you can be addicted to. Yes, yes. I mean, so we we just can't can't assume something bad right off the bat. You know, I mean, th think it over, have an open mind, look into it from a broader picture. Is what for I sure? Think. Yeah. Oh yes. yeah, great explanation. Yeah. Now uh, you mentioned uh, the EP, so I mean, a lot of artists these days they're kind of do it one track at a time, kind of teasing the fans a little bit that way. Uh, how do you plan to do it <laughs> as it's sl slowly um, getting released? Yeah, you know, I don't. To be honest, I don't. I don't even. I don't really know what I'm doing. Um, uh -huh. You know, I know what not to do um, because. I've been doing this for a long time, but I've got a lot of, uh, good people that, you know, work with me behind the scenes and they're, they're the ones that know what they're doing. Um, you know, and I, uh, I guess I'm kind of like the vessel or the product and, um, yeah. So, uh, I rely on, you know, the people that, uh, work with me uh, a lot to make, you know, a lot of those decisions that are helping me make those decisions decisions from day to day. Yes, yes. Any uh, clue, or can you say, can you uh, drop any hints or anything about uh, when the next release uh, release is going to be? Um, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I. I you know, I think we're going to, um, disaster's doing pretty well and we're, we kind of, you know, are very early stages. So I would say we'll probably, you know, um, let this thing ride for, for uh, a couple months. And then, I mean, I, I, I don't know if I'll release another single and then the EP or, 
I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to do it, but there's going to be more content this year. You know, I 100%. Yeah, I kind of like the way, uh, I, to me, I think some of the ways they're in, they're doing that, like I said, you know, kind of giving a teaser before an EP or a full-length album is released, you know, so I remember I'd, I'd listen to uh, programs when I was a kid like uh, Casey Kasem's uh, Top 40, and uh, I'd basically hear the same songs. Yeah every week you know I'd, different artists same songs it, they'd be but they'd right. be in different uh, they'd be in different spots one day it's t- in the 20th spot next next time it's in the 30th spot or it's a, or it's made the top 10 or however it may be you know but that single would be popular for i think a minimum of 3 months before a new one got released and by by then everybody's already bought the album you know, they they listen to the album fully if they're a dedicated fan. They just don't know which which of those singles that they've already <clears throat> listened to is going to be is going to be released as a hit. That's the way I I personally remember. Now it's like I said, you know, teasing the the fans a little bit, and I think that's I honestly think that's an improvement because it's giving the fan base a bit more anticipation. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I mean, I tease the hell out of the fans with with the uh, you know with the disaster stuff. I think the hype leading up to the release was 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 bigger than the actual release. Um, but uh, it, you know, just because it was a new project for me and and you know the people that were involved in it and stuff. So, um, but uh, yeah, so I, this is you know I've this question comes up a lot and uh i yeah i think um like like you said it used to be an album would be released and then it would be decided what songs would be picked as singles and uh you know now it's give them a little taste you know maybe throw a couple songs out there even uh you know see what um see what the fans like or uh you know see what's uh, a little more popular and then maybe, you know, go more that direction with the music when it when it comes time to uh, to release an EP. And I'd say for the way I see it is if you're a a new artist and you're just looking to get some content out there and you don't want to break the bank, do two or three songs, you know, um, pick one, put it out there, see what happens. And then if if there is interest, you know. Um, then decide how much money you want to put into the, you know, the rest of the project or the EP or, or whatever you're going to do, but don't, yeah, don't waste your money right off the bat with a full length. Um, unless you're just doing it for yourself and you just want to have, you know, 12 songs on a, on a CD for, you know, you personally or whatever, but that's, uh, that is the way I'm, you know, personally doing it myself is slowly and then uh, see what catches on and or see if it catches on. And then I'll decide how much money I'll put into it after that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as we speak right now, a new addiction is kind of the main focus, but uh, what about uh, three, three years? Is there uh, any chance, uh, you know, that, uh, Three Years Hollow is go, is uh, gonna make a comeback, or um, 
obviously, I think you kind of hinted that uh, it it's uh, likely to happen, but uh, right now that's still kind of <laughs> kind of uh, just still taking that break and focusing on something else at the moment. Um, yeah. So we yeah we're gonna actually we've got dates booked. I know we're doing we're doing like a two week run um, late summer early fall. And, uh, you know, I talk to Jose Urquiza, the singer, um, almost every day, you know, uh, so, and I'll actually be, uh, I'll actually be hanging with him and, uh, Morgan, Morgan Rose and, uh, Sean Foist and Barry Stock, I believe tomorrow night, cause they are here in town. Um, they're actually at the attic studio where that's the studio that, Jose Urquiza from three years hollow owns. So. Yes. Yes. And uh, one thing that just kind of stood out to me too, is how, how you talked about, uh, you know, uh, you, you record the bass line first, then the drums and the guitar, you know, and I've all, honestly, I've talked to quite a few artists too, that they're not even in the same area. You know, they'll, somebody come up with a with a guitar riff and they'll 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 send it off add the drums then pass it on add the bass you know <laughs> but uh but yes sure yeah. i mean obviously uh, you've covered that that uh, you're doing it in that fashion but uh, you're you're just doing it uh, simply differently by doing it a bit backwards you said so yeah i these were basically just um you know, uh, badass bass arrangements that I had written. And I showed uh, Jose Urquiza, the singer from Three Years Hollow, who also owns the Attic Studio. That's where I, I do all my recording. Um, and, you know, he produces all my stuff as well. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I showed him some songs, and he's like, these are, he's like, this stuff is really cool. He's like, we got to get some of this content out there. I was like, all right, bet, man. Let's, you know, let's do it. <clears throat> so, we, uh, we tracked one song, it's called Fishtail, uh, and we knew right away that I was like, man, you know, I'm like, we got to get a badass drummer to play on here. And first person that popped in our head was, was Morgan Rose from Seven Dust. Um, because, you know, I've had a relationship with Morgan since around, uh, around, around the time things started happening for three years hollow, happening for three years hollow. And, uh, he's an incredible drummer. So Morgan was in town doing, I think he was in town doing an instant mix clinic. Um, and I went out to the studio and we showed him the song and he's like, hell yeah, I'll play on it. And he went in the drum room and just in about an hour, we tracked all the drums. And then, uh, I think it was two or three nights later, we ended up having dinner, uh, at, um, a place here uh, where I'm from and it was me and Jose and Morgan and uh, Sean Foist. Um, and Morgan was like, man, he's like that song, that song. He's like, I really like that song. And by the end of the dinner uh, conversation, we had decided that he was going to play on the entire EP and, uh, and co-produce. So that's pretty cool, man. Yes. Super cool. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't get any cooler. <laughs> And uh, I have just a couple more questions for you. Uh, 
Sure, I got I got another interview in like ten minutes. So sure, sure, sure. So I got to make it quick. Um, well, it's uh, it's a Zoom, so he's gonna probably. Oh, I'm sorry. No, we got plenty of time. It's only five forty. Yeah, we have plenty of time. I'm sorry. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this doesn't matter if. Uh, you're playing some dirty dive bar or some shithole out in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky, that holds a maximum capacity of about 25 people if you're lucky. Or <laughs> or you've just booked out Madison Square Garden. What is the craziest thing you think you have witnessed while performing on stage? So <clears throat> the craziest, I've, <clears throat> craziest thing I've seen from the stage yeah. Oh man. Um, I mean, I've seen, uh, gosh, I've seen a lot of wild shit go down. Um, Oh yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen, uh, yeah, I've seen fights break out. Uh, I've seen beer bottles get tossed up on the stage, not because, you know, anybody was, disappointed in what was going on just because people were crazy and just getting fucking rowdy, you know? Um, uh, and that's, you know, like you start hitting like some of those West coast, like mountain clubs and shit, man. I mean, yeah, uh, it, it, it can get pretty rowdy, you know? Um, so, uh, I remember we did a tour with, uh, with Sliva. It was, it was like, it was like 28 shows in 30 days or something like that. Yeah. And that uh, was all West coast, West coast. And, uh, man, it just, a lot of crazy shit happened on that tour. Um, yeah, I can tell you tons of stories. <laughs> I can <laughs> imagine. <laughs> uh, my final question, let's say a group of kids ages 15 to early twenties approach you and tell you that they're going to start a band and get in the music business. What advice do you think you'd give them? Well, I would say, um, you know, if you're, if you're really, really serious about it, um, then most importantly, you, you, have, you have to put the time in. and um, the, There has to be some level of talent there. Um, if you think you're going to, you know, be recognized in the music business. I mean, there, it just... You know, you gotta, you gotta have something special or unique or, or just really, really good at doing what everyone else is doing. You know, um, uh, you know, I think they say only, you know, 1% uh, of the bands that even make it to the national level, um, you know, survive. So, uh, it's, it's tough. I'd say make sure, you know, um, Make sure you have a good team behind you, uh, people that you trust, not necessarily people that are, you know, the most known in the business. Um, I prefer to work with people that I know uh, personally, on a personal level, um, because they don't, you know, they don't bullshit me and uh, they, you know, they work hard for me and they want to see me succeed. So I'd say that's very, very important is uh, having a good foundation, you know, a good platform, uh, a good team to work with. All right. I like that. Well, that's all the questions I have for you. Once again, I want to thank you very much uh, for taking some time out and joining the show.
And uh, before we uh, hit the upcoming music set, uh, why don't you go ahead and give yourself a plug, whether they want to find a new addiction or three years hollow, they want to get in touch with you, uh, social media, website, Reverb Nation, iTunes, Spotify, and all that good shit. Yeah, so um, all your typical outlets that you uh, normally listen to music on, you can find a new addiction, uh, find the uh, disaster single. And so you want to reach me um, on Facebook. You know, I've got my own personal page on there. Um, it's just, it's me. It's not like a designated artist page or anything. I, you know, I'm the one that manages it, all that stuff. Um, and then I've got the new addiction page on Facebook, uh, the three years hollow page, um, both Instagrams. Um, so yeah, you know, you can find me there. Uh, but literally the, the, the single is, pretty much everywhere. I mean, we, we made sure that, uh, it's on all outlets. So, um, you know, typical iTunes, Spotify, uh, Deezer, um, Reverb Nation, YouTube, uh, everywhere. All right. Well, Dex, once again, thank you so much, uh, for your time here on the show and uh, I want to wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. And I'm going to look forward to uh, more content from uh, a new addiction. Absolutely, man. I appreciate, uh, I appreciate the interview and, and uh, you know, you're taking your time to call me. Absolutely. All right. You take care. You too. Yeah. And there you have the interview with Dex Digga. So it's time to hit our music set, and since uh, there are no other singles available by A New Addiction, I have uh, three songs by Three Years Hollow. In the mix, I have Bree Bagwell and High Caliber. With that said, be right back after this. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my balls. You're listening to Outlaw Radio, and if you don't agree with our opinions, then fuck your mother. Hey, do you kiss your girlfriend with that mouth? Things 
are matched, say hello. Hey. Yeah, hello, man. How are you doing? I'm good, man. What do you get into? Uh, not much. I'm actually sitting here right now. I put a few rubber bands around my balls. I have about six. I've been adding one every two minutes and just seeing what I can handle. What about you? Yes, not quite my scene, but have a great day, guy. I uh, know, but but why not? It's uh, you know, be open-minded. I stopped by to say hi to a couple of guys and drop off a few fishing poles. When all of a sudden in my hand appeared a twelve-ounce can. I knew that it was time to go, but before I knew it, I was on a round two. I don't recall even saying yes. Well, I guess I should have known what I was getting into. Can't believe that I had given in to beer pressure, like raising up for cheer pressure. Well, Jimmy, he just shot a deer pressure. Don't even think about heading for the door before you have one more. It's beer pressure. You can stay the night here, pressure. Head to the fridge and just pick your pleasure. If I do say so, you just can't say no. Well, my old friend Blue was just passing through. your wife you're in the clear pressure get in the yeti and find that treasure if i do say so you just can't say no this doesn't have to be such a big issue if you're gonna go down take them up The keg is on its way here, pressure. Don't even think about heading for the door before you have one more. It's beer pressure. Let's kick this thing into high gear, pressure. This just turned into the best day ever. If I do say so, you just can't say no. Ha, ha, ha.
sometimes I'm like Save my family, but she don't wanna say that drama When she know I'm out here trying to say these commas Running behind your mammy, shit, I hate your mama I didn't do not one song, nigga, last year Before I met you, it was every day the past years Now every day I go to work breaking my back And still on the side hustling, niggas know to put the cash here I could swear you was a waste of time I could have been chasing mine on a solo grind Holding it down, trying to get my paper right Trying to write these rhymes Constantly erasing lines Yeah, it's gonna take some time But I know we can get it right We can do better shit Let's just count these racks Don't wanna be naive So you say you can't fall for that Cause you know I'm the same nigga Quit the fucking snap You know I tried to up my stats Kiss your ass, but I just can't Tried to be a gentleman But you just won't relax I know my worth and I ain't running back What fun is that? <laughs> these niggas know my music slap Yeah, I know I've been M.I.A. Nigga, but I'm back But sometimes I'm like But you still kept me locked out when I was homeless And days was coldest Thought I knew you, I didn't know shit You wanna see a nigga stagger, drop both fists You wanna see a nigga stagnant like cold grits And I was still, I just make sure you know what home is But my point is, everybody has a goal Oh, you wanna be a single mother? How'd that even float your boat? I'm that nigga you came to when you had nowhere else to go So acknowledge my improvements and give me some time to grow I'm sorry if my shit late, but I had to do this on my own No father in the home since young, habits are doing wrong I'm wrong, can I tap your tempo? What can you admit to? This should be simple, but then we can't even think of two. Oh yeah, nothing cause you're perfect besides that pride within yourself Shit, and your mama don't help If I had a big house fly with with shiny things like diamond rings And could give you the finer things We probably wouldn't go through these minor things Cause I believe love without paper is obsolete Though I'm trying to become the best I can be I accept you for who you are Cause obviously we ain't gods We all have flaws in what I can see Ain't my call What them fucker that's fine with me Sometimes it's hard For us to do the bigger things So thank the Lord If you get an apology No one involved Just me and you And I'm already Practice sliding glass door So I can breathe Yeah You know what I'm saying? You can't change nobody And you can't change yourself for nobody else You know what I'm saying? Unless that motherfucker want to change for themselves But when a motherfucker can accept you for who you are And still want to be around you Shit, that's real love to me
There is no other feeling than strapping up or grabbing those kettlebells, grappling on the mat, or doing some shadow boxing, getting knocked down, getting back up, throwing strikes, and then doing it all over again. So when you hear someone scream, gear up, you better get ready, because it's just you, your Hunter Athletic Gear, and the voice telling you to train harder. No matter how much experience you have, Hunter Athletic Gear stands with you all the way. Their products are engineered for utmost comfort, protection, and speed. Battle after battle, Hunter Athletic Gear is the brand celebrating your victory. Hunter Athletic Gear has a range of great training and fight gear for men and ladies, including compression pants, fight shorts, hoodies, vests, caps, and bikinis. They can create custom branded ranges for your gym or business. Visit their website at huntermma.co.za. Gear up and let's train. What news and information are your media dollars buying when the narrative is prescribed by the advertisers? Scripted lies, media brainwashing, and thought control. Take back your voice. Take back our media. But most of all, take back our First Amendment. Subscribe to Caravan to Midnight today for hard-hitting commentary free from political correctness and media bias as I and some of the most intelligent and interesting people on Earth delve deep into what really lies beyond the headlines. Three to four hour uninterrupted and uncensored information. Join our CTM family today. Join the movement. Join the fight for freedom and independence. Caravan to Midnight is media for the people, by the people, independent of commercial obligations or influence. For less than a cup of coffee per month, you can make a difference. Let the people fund the next news network. Help us grow. Help us create a platform where we place freedom of speech and thought first. Join the family at caravantomidnight.com. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is the Second Amendment of the United States of America's Constitution. This Second Amendment, the right of law-abiding Americans to privately own and possess firearms, is under attack like no other time in America's history. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have pledged to take away your Second Amendment rights through gun bans, gun confiscations, and government regulations. Even a gun tax. Do not take this lying down. The time to take action and fight to protect your Second Amendment rights is now. Join the Second Amendment Foundation, the oldest and largest nonprofit foundation focused on protecting your Second Amendment rights. For more information, to join or to donate, visit saf.org. Save the dates. Highway 30 Music Fest 2021 will rock the Twin Falls Fairgrounds in Filer, Idaho. June 23rd, 24th, 25th, and 26th. Enjoy good food and drink, country music, Americana music, rock, and red dirt. Performing on Friday, June 25th, the Lowdown Drifters. 50 miles from town and the needles on empty. Ellie Mae Millencamp. You said you love me. Why don't you fight for me? The Reed Southall Band. And more. Sponsors of Highway 30 Music Fest 2021 include Bud Light, Falls Brand Independent Meat Company, and the Rob Green Auto Group. Have a blast while helping organizations and families in need. Highway 30 Music Fest will take place rain or shine. To order tickets and for more information, visit hwy30musicfest.com. 
Yo, baby, you have your asshole licked by a fat man in an overcoat? You're listening to Outlaw Radio. Now buy a sewing machine, take it home, and cram it up your ass. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Coldcock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take your shot. You must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, gear up, let's train. And USAC, the United South Africa Coalition. Go to USAC.center for more information. The songs you just heard, you just heard Three Years Hollow with you and I. Before that, High Caliber with Missing in Action. Before that, Three Years Hollow with Remember. Before that, Bree Bagwell with Beer Pressure. And starting off the whole set, Three Years Hollow with Chemical Ride. All right, just a little bit, uh, we'll have Outlaw Radio Gun Talk with uh, Taylor Burtz. And like I said, I met him at the Red Pill Expo in uh, Rapid City, South Dakota. But before we get to that, we have to reveal... The Outlaw Radio Idiot of the Week. And ladies and gentlemen, the Outlaw Radio Idiot of the Week this week is a man named Hamish George Crego Bourne. He's out of Ackland, New Zealand. Well, <laughs> he's facing charges of stealing around $1,800 worth of sex toys. <laughs> oh, well. Find his picture, find the article on our Twitter at Outlaw Radio ABS. All right. With that said, it's time for Outlaw Radio Gun Talk. It's time for Outlaw Radio Gun Talk. All right, ladies and gentlemen, for this edition of Outlaw Radio Gun Talk, I want to introduce uh, someone that I met at the uh, Red Pill Expo in Rapid City, South Dakota. That being a gentleman who likes to carry a revolver just like me, I want to welcome Taylor Burtz to the show. Taylor, how you doing, bud? Oh, doing just fine. Just uh, staying in the AC, trying to beat the uh, premature heat. <laughs> Not usually that toasty, this toasty this time of year for us here in Sodak. So, uh, Got uh, both the ACs running, and we're doing fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. Uh, you know, that uh, that time I, I was there, uh, that was like Vegas heat. It got, it got pretty hot. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty abnormal. Usually about this, you know, most of the way through June, we're sitting, you know, 70s, 80s. You know, maybe it'll creep up to the 90s once once or twice, but usually we're pretty mellow. It doesn't start getting hot till about July and then into August. So a little, uh, <laughs> little premature. Yes. Yes. Uh, some, some questions I want to ask you first off. Um, like I said, you like to carry a revolver and I pointed that out when I saw you there at the uh, red pill expo, you were working security, correct? That is correct. Yep. I'm with a local group uh, here based out of Rapid City in Western South Dakota called uh, South Dakota Citizens for Liberty. We're just a grassroots conservative uh, political action group that uh, 
Um, we've got a bunch of lobbyists and uh, a bunch of legislators on our roster and everything. We just kind of keep an eye on what's going on in the legislature and and uh, help with uh, elections and stuff like that, uh, you know, doing door knocking and uh, lit drops, all sorts of fun stuff. So keeping the public informed on uh, on uh, the stuff that the mainstream media doesn't want you to know. So. <laughs> Yeah, we were we were there doing. Uh, we volunteered to uh, to do uh, security de- uh, detail, just kind of plain clothes security detail for the Red Pill Expo. And uh, um, I didn't get a chance to make it on Saturday, but I was there pretty well all day Sunday. And uh, yeah, tell you what, one hell of a turnout. And I, I was really blown away to see how many people were there just from out of state. I only maybe saw a dozen or so people that I actually knew locally. Yes. Most everybody else was from out of state. Yes, yes. <laughs> so uh, just, I want to I want to ask you, though, um, first, I got to tell you that uh, before I left, uh, I kind of drew uh, some attention and uh, some, uh, oh, some people, some uh, Antifa members from places like New York, California, and all that, uh, you know, who uh, obviously love me so much that... Uh, they gotta. They gotta call their friends and tell them to come see me. You know they. They said. <laughs> I can't imagine, right? <laughs> yeah. They. Um, they said, "Well, I'm attending a Klan rally in Rapid City, South Dakota. We need to. They need to call protesters to give me a warm welcome." So, um, you know. So what I do? I mean, uh, I mean, I've got four guns, and I'm not going to bring all of them with me. But I, I grab my 357. My 357. Colt revolver, mind you, and uh, yeah, here, here. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I, I loaded it, and I, I said, you know, I mean, if they, if they want to say hello, I mean, uh, yeah, I will, I will greet them back if uh, they really want to take it this far, which you know, gladly that did not happen, but I was gonna, I was prepared. But uh, one thing I realized, and I want to ask you this: if I wanted to carry that weapon on my hip openly. I could have, couldn't I? Yes, sir. Yep. South Dakota is an open carry state, and we are also uh, one of the newly um, constitutional carry states. And uh, so um, I don't quite know what that entails for out-of-state. I believe out-of-state, you're fine as well in terms of open carry. But when it comes to concealed carry, I think you've got to be a, a South Dakota state resident. But yeah, if you wanted to slap your 357 on your hip, you're just right as rain. Yes, yes, because there was another lady there from Montana carrying a um, a Glock on her hip. So uh, she actually, actually, that was a Walther P99, another uh, decent pistol. Yes, yes. But uh, as for you, um, you know, you showed me you you had uh, other sidearms, but that. Uh, <laughs> That uh, peacekeeper you had there was uh, was in plain sight for anyone to see. But what what is it? Why why the revolver for you? What what is it uh, you like about it? So, the gun that I carry is a Italian copy of a Colt M eighteen fifty one Navy model in forty four caliber. It's cap and ball revolver, single action, um, and it is a muzzleloader. You know, you have to measure out powder and ball and and uh, ran those into the chamber with a rammer and then uh, placed a little percussion cap. Old Very school. old school, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like it. And, uh, 
Yeah, oh, me too. I mean, no school like the old school. But uh, I, uh, I've been shooting that thing. It was pr- pretty much it was the real first real quote unquote high power uh, handgun that I actually owned. I had had a couple of cheap uh, cheap brass frame revolver. Uh, revolvers before that, and they both went to pot real quick, and I'll never own a brass framer again. And uh, but this was kind of the first, my first step into a real, you know, good quality, you know, gun. And uh, and I've been shooting this thing for so long. I've put thousands upon thousands of rounds through it. I, I've um, learned the guts of it inside and out. I fit my own parts to it. I do most of my own work to it. If I want to slick it up or modify it, um, just in terms of reliability. Um, there were a couple of things I had done to it to improve reliability that I didn't have the, the quite, quite the tooling for. Um, we can get into that later if you'd like, but, uh, I, I've just, I've come to know know this gun as is an extension of my arm, and um, over the last oh year or two, I've started getting to the point where I can draw cock level and shoot, you know, and in, in pretty decent order, you know, and actually hit what I'm aiming at, kind of from the hip, old gunfighter style, you know, within ten to fifteen feet. <laughs> and I know it's probably one of those things you kind of got to see to believe, and I totally understand that, but. Uh, it's incredible, you know, what, what practice and dedication to one particular firearm, you know, whether it's your Glock, your, you know, your Ruger LCP, you know, your, your favorite 357, if you will, you yes. know, with practice and, and dedication and patience, you know, it's, it's pretty incredible what people can do. Um, you know, I've, um, we were talking, you and I were talking the other day about uh, Wild Bill Hickok. Oh yeah, we're and, uh, we're gonna get to that. I just before we get to that though, I don't mean to interrupt. I'm sorry. But, uh, you just, no, you're good. You just said something interesting uh, that uh, I've I've heard only for the second time in my life. You said you made the gun the extension of your hand. I'm, I'm, I you know, I, st- I talked to a guitar player about a year ago, and he said his you know his guitar's extension of his hand. You know, obviously he's and it's a very specific acoustic guitar. So when you mm-hmm. so when you say something like, like whatever instrument you have is an extension of your hand, that means obviously you're accurate with whatever that may be. You know, for you, it's your gun. For him, it was his guitar. You know, cause, I mean, he could play other guitars, obviously, and you can shoot other guns, but just something about that guitar that he plays best. Right. You know, and I... Uh it's just what I learned on in a sense. I mean, I had shot before that I'd shot quite a few other handguns and rifles, shotguns, whatever, but I just shooting that single action. I, um, I, I really, I like to think that it's, it's helped me learn how to shoot other guns better, you know, in terms of like more modern guns, like Glock, Smith and Wesson's, even the, I guess not so new, uh, Colt 1911. Um, one thing my, my dad has always struggled with and a lot of new shooters or people that don't shoot a lot. And even people that have shot a lot struggle with is, is safeties and hammers. You know, they'll, they'll, uh, bring up a 1911 and try to yoink the trigger and no say, you know, safety's on nothing happens. 
Uh, my dad's notorious for it, but it's something I've, since my thumb, you know, was so used to working a hammer of some kind or some, working something on the gun to make it go, it, it's kind of become ingrained to me, you know, whether it's got a safety, a hammer or not, that I, you know, I'm pretty versatile with, you know, whatever I've got. Yes. Yes, indeed. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, we mentioned Wild Bill Hickok, and we're about to get into that. And, uh, you know, uh, during, I mean, first and foremost, my trip to Rapid City was for the Red Pill Expo, but uh, took a couple of days there for sightseeing. And, uh, you know, my wife obviously had to see Mount Rushmore and Crazy Horse and want to go to the Dinosaur Park and things like that. But I didn't. Mm-hmm. I did not take Deadwood into consideration until I was there, you know, and I'm, I never gave Deadwood that much thought because, you know, I have an ambition to visit uh, Tombstone, Arizona. That's, I mean, that's kind of on my bucket list right there is to visit Tombstone. But then I'm, right, right. I'm thinking, wow, while I'm here, Dead, Deadwood is what, a half hour, 45 minute drive away? I, I've got to go to Deadwood, you know. I mean, I watched that uh, that stupid series on HBO where they overly cuss too much when they obviously did not cuss like that back then. And Yeah, I, that was kind of an embarrassment to the Old West community, if you ask me. <laughs> Uh, however, I mean, some I, I did my research, though, and some depictions of what really happened were told pretty accurately uh, in that uh, HBO series. They just, I don't know why they thought the need to just fill it full of cuss words when it made it sound low class and tacky. But, right. Yeah. Um, you know, but, uh, and I'm. I mean, shit, I cuss all the fucking time, but damn, I, you know, you don't hear, <laughs> you don't hear me talk like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I can be kind of the same way. I wouldn't say I've got virgin ears or a virgin mouth, but I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, there, it's like, there's a point, you know, where it's F this, F that, you know, and, and it's just. <laughs> Almost like listening to uh, the the late great Robin Williams do stand up, <laughs> or uh, hearing uh, what uh, Albert Swearingen and how many times he says "cocksucker" was just. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry that that was retarded. The way they they put that together, the way he says that all the time. <laughs> oh yeah, or or if you've watched the uh, the lovely Tarantino movie Django Unchained. Yeah, <laughs> how many, I think somebody counted, and they say the N-word probably, I think, 50, 60, 70 times at least. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> overly, overly, overly done. <laughs> well, well, considering, too, when they when they uh, had a shootout in that movie, you saw blood <laughs> Blood was like a geyser, and like, that's retarded. <laughs> that, that looks oh, stupid. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But it, oh, the... <laughs> But anyway, you know, I had to go to Deadwood while I was there when I realized where where I was, you know, and uh, and you know, just going through there. I mean, my wife is the one who's into the ghosts and the spirits and the paranormal paranormal activity, whatever. And she said she felt a little bit there, you know. Didn't feel anything. Mm-hmm. Didn't feel anything up at Mount Morris Cemetery. Of course, I stood by Wild Bill Hickok's grave. I bought a I bought a deck of cards i took out uh 
the black suits of aces and eights with the nine of diamonds. And if you've seen it on Twitter, yes, I I stood next to Wild Bill's grave holding up those cards. And uh, if you check my Twitter right now, you will see that uh, I bought a picture of Wild Bill that is currently laminated with that uh, with that two pair and the nine of diamonds there laminated inside of it. So I, I got that right above my wall right now, or right above my desk on my wall. But, uh, you know, let's let's talk about uh, Wild Bill Hickok. First off, we're talking, he, he wore his guns a specific way, which is obviously, you know, uh, backwards from everybody else. Um, and uh, you kind of elaborated on that. It, for him, it was just an easier way to draw. In a lot of ways, yes. Um, cross draw, they call it butts forward. Uh -huh. um, there were and there were numerous different ways that you could actually draw those pistols. I um, I've been wanting to um, make a couple of holsters because um, I would love to get a second navy so I could start doing this. Um, and there's a there's a trick you can do. Um, a really, it's kind of a more of a Hollywood draw, but it's actually it's pretty fun to do. Um, if you if you've ever seen the, the movie, the outlaw Josie Wales, yes. you know how he acts like he's going to hand over his gun to the, to whoever. And then uh, he flips it around. He's, he's still got his finger, his index finger stuck in that trigger guard. Yeah. And that's what they call the road agent spin. And it's gone by other monikers over the years as well. But, uh, some people claim that Hickok actually, actually did, a, a version of that, you know, the, they say he would either, you know, just reach in, you know, right hand to right gun, left hand to left gun and just whip them around and fire. And some people say, you know, he'd cross his arms, right hand on left and left hand on right and, and do it that way. And, but, uh, you know, um, documentaries, uh, um, old, old, actual old documents, uh, diaries, eyewitness accounts from the days, especially when he was down in Kansas, Missouri, um, state that he was extremely, extremely fast with his guns. And, uh, and he, he wore, preferred to carry the, uh, the Colt 1851 Navy model, but in 36 caliber. And uh, he wore a pair of those for many, many years. Um, and uh, until he was uh, until he was killed in uh, in 1876, by Jack McCall in Deadwood. Yeah, we'll be talking about Jack McCall in a moment. Uh, but uh, I also read somewhere too that uh, you know uh, Wild Bill, you know, in, in uh, towards his final days, you know, was <clears throat> he was he was like Doc Holliday. He was always partying. Uh, you know, he's he was always at a poker table, uh, often getting drunk and. Not losing very often either when he was when he was playing, um, but uh, it was it was told that he wasn't on his feet very much because he was sitting at that poker table, and it was having the guns butts out was, was easier to draw while he was sitting down. From what I read, correct. Yep, and then it's also easier to draw when on horseback, and that's why you see you know U.S. cavalry you know, during the Civil War and after, um, and it very well could have been before. I haven't done much research into before the Civil War in terms of cavalry, but uh, 
they always had a uh, cross draw flap holster. And also one thing I noticed, there's a, an old vintage picture of Hickok in, uh, in buckskins, real, real fancy buckskins. And he's got a belt around his, his midsection, but it's not around his waist. It's, it's up quite a bit higher. And that was kind of a style and a way to wear the guns, um, was up higher on the midsection, probably even above the belly button, because it did make it somewhat easier access to, you know, to get at less things to snag on. You didn't have to move around as much, you know, let alone have to, you know, get out of your chair to shoot the guy across the poker table. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> now, um, looking at Jack McCall and uh, I, you know, I look at situations and I, I think a lot of us, a lot of us, uh, probably 90% of us will look at it, read about it or see it on TV or whatever it may be. And wonder if that were to happen today. And I just, I look at Jack McCall and I can't help but think in this pussified, easily offended, woke, politically correct society we live in today. Take Wild Bill Hickok and obviously he's either passionately loved or utterly despised there's really no middle ground when it comes to wild bill hickok hated by native americans and uh, jack mccall on the other hand i look at him as a cowardly son of a bitch who he amen yeah he, he he even he knew that he had no chance of us uh, of standing 10 feet from wild bill and uh, and trying to draw on him he there he, he he'd get killed in seconds. So what's or his, less? Yeah. <laughs> what's his only chance? Well, to catch him off guard and shoot him in the back. You know, just walk up, mm-hmm. walk up to him with a. I think I don't know if it was. Uh, some say it was a derringer. Somebody else said it was just just a, just a regular colt that he that he shot him with. I, that I don't know. But nonetheless, whatever it was, just walked up to him, popped him in the back of the head when he wasn't looking. Uh, like like the cowardly son of a bitch that he was. Now, correct. Yeah, go on, go on. Yeah. So from what I what I read was that uh, I guess kind of a precursor to that day. Um, I think it was the night before. Um, like you said, uh, Hickok was a, a you know kind of a party style. He was really really good with the women and, uh, and he was never disrespectful. Apparently he was a very, very honorable, courteous gentleman. Um, and, uh, he, uh, was at his usual seat at a poker table and, uh, with his back to the wall that he preferred. And the night before he was shot, um, McCall came in and pretty much lost his ass. Uh, didn't even have a single dime left in his pocket. And, uh, apparently Hickok, um, gave him some money, just spotted him some cash for some food and, uh, um, yeah. And bought him another drink. And apparently McCall took that as an insult, which I mean, would, would kind of go with the times, you know, you take care of yourself. You don't ask nobody for nothing kind of a deal. And, uh, and of course, McCall was a 
uh, was known to just be an imbecile, just cowardly and stupid and, and uh, kind of a scoundrel, really. And for what? And uh, not... I'm I'm sorry to interrupt too. I just have to add in uh, too that uh, from what I read, he he was basically then a, a nerd, a nobody, and very clumsy. Yes, clumsy was the word. Yes, yep. Just I, I don't know if you'd call him the the redheaded stepchild, so to speak. But he was yeah, he was just kind of a nobody, and nobody really cared about him, and and. Uh, and so apparently he felt just gravely insulted that, uh, <clears throat> you know, he lost his ass and, and, you know, at the poker table and, and that, uh, the person who was winning that night, of course, was Hickok because he was apparently quite a, quite a skilled gambler. And, uh, he, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He came back the next day and, uh, Hickok came in and, uh, McCall was already there at the bar drunk off his ass. And, uh, uh, Hickok, uh, noticed that a fellow by the name of Charlie Rich was sitting in his favorite seat, uh, yep. but he reluctantly, reluctantly sat down, but with his back to the door and to the bar, at which point, uh, um, McCall came up behind him, didn't even get him, give him warning, cocked his revolver and blew the back of his head off and, uh, screamed, damn you, take that. And uh, McCall immediately vacated the scene. The town took the townspeople mere minutes to find him. And uh, there was a a subsequent trial afterwards, and he was actually found not guilty. Now, uh, also, yeah, while I was in Deadwood, too, we had some gentleman who uh, was a Wild Bill impersonator. He asked for, you know, he was up at, we were at the Tin Saloon where all this happened, and, um, of course, this man who's telling the story of Wild Bill asked for volunteers, and I, I volunteered, and, uh, of course, I'm given the role of Charlie Rich, and he told, you know, so the guy tells me, I'm, I'm going to demand my seat, don't give it to me, so, <laughs> and from, yeah, uh, the story, this is like, uh, you know, Wild Bill demanded his seat, Charlie's like, no, I, I'm feeling good today, this is my lucky seat, and so, so, you know, he was reluctant about it and argued a little bit, but eventually took the seat closer to the door. And, uh, and according to the, te- right. the testimony in the courtroom there, uh, whoever uh, McCall's uh, lawyer was um, tried to argue the fact that uh, it was Charlie's fault that, uh, that Hickok got killed for not giving up that seat. Right. And there was another factor that I didn't know about that, uh, apparently during testimony, the, uh, um, that McCall claimed that, uh, Hickok had shot his brother down in Abilene where he served as sheriff and marshal at, um, a couple of different times. And, uh, which was actually later found out to be completely false that McCall never actually had a brother. Um, eventually call, like I said, McCall was found not guilty and he was, um, kind of shooed out of a, out of town by a fellow by the name of California Joe. <laughs> um, I don't know much about that character, but, uh, yeah. said, you know, Hey man, the air might not be good for you around here. And, uh, McCall got the message and split town and apparently fled to Wyoming and where he just, 
absolutely loved nothing more than to gloat and and blow, you know, be a blowhard about, hey, I killed the famous Wild Bill Hickok. Oh, not only kind of a deal. Well, he also claimed that he did it face to face in a draw, which anybody who knew Hickok, anybody who's anybody who knew Wild Bill Hickok, knew that that was a bunch right. of bullshit. That's like, uh, right? <laughs> okay, I mean, yeah, and that- I, I would have said, I would have said, you know, if I was there. Okay, you you claim you did this. Let me see your draw, and I'll and uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and 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 especially you know, like you said, you know, everybody knew his name, um, and especially after he uh, he killed Dave Tut down in uh, in Springfield, Missouri. Uh, Tut was a, a, an acquaintance of his that uh, um, apparently Tut and. Uh, and Hickok were going after the same woman, and then there was a disagreement over over uh, loaned funds that Hickok had loaned Tut, or the other way around. And it was one of the very, very few Old West showdowns that you see so much of in uh, in Hollywood, and yes. it actually very, very seldom ever happened. Um, apparently, they were out in the middle of the street, and. Uh, Tut got rambunctious and drew his pistol and started firing away, and all of his shots missed. <laughs> Took Hickok one shot, 75 yards, straight through the chest, dropped him like a sack of bricks. Yeah. And uh, and after that, I mean, Hickok's name became a household, just a household celebrity name, if you will, you know, like, uh, yeah. like our modern-day celebrities. And uh, he... Uh, you know, eventually after that really gained uh, some notoriety and, and some fame and, you know, was uh, sheriff and marshal all over the, you know, Kansas, Missouri, and then eventually found his way up to Deadwood. Yes, yes. I mean, because uh, obviously in the Black Hills, there was a huge, huge gold strike there. So, um, mm-hmm. so uh, you know, just getting, uh, first off, I want to elaborate too that, uh, um, Part of the reason why Jack McCall was uh, acquitted and that that lawyer, that so-called lawyer he had, that was a man, you know, trying to make his own reputation as a lawyer. So, of course, he's going to throw some lies and bullshit into the story, you know, to to help uh, McCall's case. And McCall, obviously, you know, uh, Deadwood was not even a legitimate... it, Deadwood was just a mining camp at the time with a few saloons and a, few, and a couple of brothels and, uh, you know, Seth Bullock's putting up the hardware store and things like that. So it's not even established as officially as a city yet, whereas at the time, too, North and South Dakota were the Dakota territories. The only the only uh, city nearby that was really established was Yankton. And so, mm-hmm. so you know, they pick they pick somebody to be a judge. But they pick. It was only fitting that they hold it in in the theater in Deadwood too, because the whole everybody they they hired the judge and uh, was volunteered, so they had to act as uh, court officials. They weren't real court officials, which was why there was no double jeopardy in uh, the trial when uh, they decided. <clears throat> Let's you know when uh, Seth Bullock decided let's have some real law take care of uh, McCall, and so they you know they tracked him down and got him to Yankton. And w- yep, yep, yeah, it was a U.S. marshal apparently that heard him over. I think it was over in Laramie, Wyoming, where they 
they caught him, overheard him, like I said, gloating about, you know, snuffing, uh, snuffing Wild Bill and uh, arrested him. And yeah, they uh, extradited him all the way to uh, all the way to Yankton, which is back then probably would have taken a good week or two to to make that travel. Yeah. I mean, that's all the way, you know, now and nowadays would take, you know, from Rapid City where I'm at to, to Yankton would take, oh, maybe five, five and a half hours. You know, just going straight beeline to, uh, you know, on I-90 to Sioux Falls and head south. Yeah. But, you know, you're you're in horse and covered wagon. But anyway, um, so they extradited him there and they re- actually held an official trial where they found him guilty in like two days. I mean, the trial, I think, was like December 6th or something, of 76, and he was uh, convicted on the 8th and hanged pretty shortly after. Well, um, which no, is interesting. What he deserved to, yeah, we, we, got, we definitely got to move here because time is lapsing. You know, how, how, how things can go when you're, you're into a conversation. Oh, yes, I do. <laughs> so this is where I really want to take this now is, uh, like I said, Wild Bill either passionately loved or utterly despised. No middle ground with the man. And uh, here's... A, a nobody, a nerd, a, a klutz by the name of Jack McCall just shoots him in the back of the head. Now, considering the fact that uh, really the only uh, people of color around, maybe there might have been a couple of black people, you know, or whatever, uh, but uh, for the most part, uh, the, the only people of color were the Native Americans, and they did not, most of them, I'm not going to say all of them, but most of them did not like Wild Bill Hickok. And so, Correct. Yeah, he, he actually rode under Custer, yeah. and that was probably one of the main reasons. Yes. So, he, uh, we take this into modern times. And and uh, g- given the society we we live in, where Black Lives Matter and whites are so evil, I I think that uh, honestly, today they would hail Jack McCall as a hero and probably erect a statue of him. Oh heck, I wouldn't doubt it in the least bit. I mean, good grief! Look at what they uh, look at what they said about. Uh you know, all these, uh, the, the black people that have gotten shot by quote unquote white cops, you know, they're hailed, you know, they're, you know, even though every last one of them has had just an extremely checkered past, a rap sheet, two miles long, you know, Michael Brown, George Floyd, take your pick, you know, they're all hailed as, as, as heroes and martyrs and, and whatever, and oh, the white cops bad, you know, or just white people bad, you know, they're just racist, and and uh, you know, they're all just secret members of the KKK, and you know, whatever you want to call it, systemic racism, and and uh, you know, black profiling. But yeah, yeah, he would have been. I guarantee you, McCall would have been. Yeah, had statues and days named after him, and and. Uh, you know, even though he was just a, a nobody, a worthless piece of crap that, you know, was just a, a local scoundrel. And, and you know, just given, given all, all this today, you know, if, if this, the, you know, if this <clears throat> would have happened today, too, let's also not forget 
I mean, Wild Bill Hickok was in law enforcement, of course, at the time, like I said, at that particular time, Deadwood wasn't even an established city, it was just a mining camp, so they had no sheriff or police or any constable of any kind at the time, And uh, but given the fact that, uh, you know, Wild Bill was former law enforcement, that would have solidified it even more for Jack McCall. Right. And back then, you know, when a, when a lawman, you know, moved around from place to place, you know, the, you know, like I said, they were, they had already become a household name like Wyatt Earp and Bat Masterson, you know, very, very famous, popular lawmen back in the day. They, uh, um, wherever they went, their name preceded them. And, and they were just known to be protectors of the people and, and, uh, you know, civilian vigilance committees, really, if you will. And uh, I learned some of that when I, I spent a summer in Skagway, Alaska, which has got a very, very rich Wild West history. And, uh, and it was the same story there. There was, you know, it was a, in 1896, 1897, it was a fledgling town. There was no, there was no official police force. There was no, uh, what would you call it? Uh, no real city government uh, that it sprung up yet, you know, so they, you know, a lot of these old West towns, these boom towns, railroad towns, uh, mining towns, um, they formed vigilance committees, you know, just members, you know, call them a militia, if you will, you know, civilian, civilians that were willing to, to, you know, heed the call and, uh, stand up for what was right. And, you know, at a moment's notice. By the way, before we run out of time, too, I'm, I'm just going to say this since you're, you're in the Rapid City area. There has been talk of taking uh, some dynamite to Mount Rushmore because, uh, you know, there are people calling to destroy Mount Rushmore. So I'm going to say this to you. So if they ask for dynamite, give it to them. Because, dyna- oh, because, because dynamite requires special hands and, and special techniques and uh, people who know what they're doing. These idiots, if they try to go to Mount Rushmore, and uh, by the, they're going to need shitloads upon shitloads upon shitloads of dynamite to achieve whatever sick goal they have to destroy Mount Rushmore. It's, uh, you know, it's going to take a lot of dynamite and uh, not not a damn one of them knows how to handle dynamite, so they're just going to end up getting themselves killed. So. Oh yeah, well, and if if they don't, if the dynamite, you know, them blowing themselves up with TNT doesn't do it, you know, the National Guard would be probably on them in about ten minutes, <laughs> yes. ten to twenty minutes. I mean, no joke. I mean, they would have Blackhawks and. B1Bs circling, you name it, and uh, let alone, you know, all sorts of park rangers and, and law enforcement, and, and, uh, and yeah, there has, there's always been rumor of that, especially over the last few years, and, you know, because the, the Lakota Sioux Nation claims that it was their sacred land, and that particular mountain was, was hyper sacred, and, and yada, yada, yada. When in fact, if you really look through history, they literally had no claim. They literally had zero claim to to the Black Hills because they, for the, per their beliefs, it was forbidden land. It was it was cursed. They wouldn't touch it. Yes. Who actually owned? Who actually owned the Black Hills? 
if you want to call it owned, was the Crow, the Crow Indians. And, uh, yeah, they weren't perfect by any means. They were a pretty nasty tribe. But, you know, they nothing could compare to the Sioux. The Sioux were a nomadic people that came, swept down from Canada and Minnesota, and they, they followed the animals, wiped out anything and everything, including, you know, animals, people, men, women, children. I mean, they wiped out the Re, the Arikara, Mandan, numerous other small, peaceful farming tribes. And and yet, you know, nowadays they claim, oh, we were a peaceful people, and and the Black Hills is sacred land. And and uh, I, I'm going to say, and, I'm going to say this: you come across a piece of land. I mean, I'm I'm going to say it's. I mean, Native a lot of Native Americans were screwed, you know. And me, I'm part Cheyenne. So that means that I have ancestral ties to the uh, to what happened in Sand Creek, which that was that was a travesty right there. That was horrible. What happened at Sand Creek, and and the, I read the story, it makes me sick to my stomach, and may uh, John Shivington burn in hell for what he did. But um, you know, for a lot of people, think oh that every piece of land that's owned by a white person whether it be in South Africa where it's a huge issue over there or Australia or here, you know, is stolen land. You, if you come across some land, all you find is plant and animal life form, no indigenous life form whatsoever. That is there for the claim and it's yours oh, if you yeah. want it. If, if, if somebody's there and you kill them, uh, um, so that's theft and murder. I have no doubt. And I don't care, right. you know, if it's a settler or if it's an indigenous tribe, you know, you, you kill somebody and take that property that you're, you're a thief and a murderer. If there's nothing else there but plants and animals, set yourself up. Right. And that's the thing. I, uh, <clears throat> um, I guess the point I was getting at is, you know, the Sioux that claimed that they owned the Black Hills and whatever, they didn't. They, they, they actually owned no land, if you really look at it, being a nomadic tribe. And, you know, they say, oh, white man, you know, stole our, stole our land, or white man, you know, wiped us out mercilessly, you know, and, and, you know, at least we gave them a chance to assimilate, you know, and that's just the way the world has turned for thousands and thousands of years. You know, vic to the victor, the spoils. It's it's a sad, it's a sad truth, but it's it's just the way that the world works. You know, and uh, you know, but you talk you talk to like uh, I talked to Lindsay Mastorp of Black Lives or Black First Land First in South Africa. Him and I had a debate a few years ago. He thinks though, being a nomadic, if they just pass through. That's their land, which is, that's a bunch of crap. You know, if they... It is. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, because the Khoisan people of South Africa, or the Khoi and the San tribes, or better better known as the Bushmen, are also very nomadic, and uh, the mm-hmm. even more nomadic than the Sioux, mind you, and they, they often, they'll just keep moving. They'll probably set up camp somewhere, next day leave it and pro- not return to that that space for maybe decades if ever again you know but right. be- because they had set up camp there that one time 
Oh, it's theirs. No, if if they left it, it's there for the claiming. And all and uh, even the Khoisan tribes even said, "Well, we're not there anymore. You might as well take it." You know, it's it's right. It's the it's the you know in in Africa. It's those especially South Africa. I mean, looking at the history, I mean, uh, the black people aren't even indigenous to South Africa because the Khoisan people who hate being called black are are the only indigenous tribe, you know, aside from the Zulu who are on the other side of the state. And they all came from the north of Africa and they're settlers themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and, and with South Africa, it was the Dutch, the Dutch and the British that uh, that fought over that for quite a good chunk of time. I mean, you look at the First and Second Boer Wars. Yeah. You know, the... the the Dutch were, were making a killing on mining down there and, uh, and you know, settling it quite nicely. And oh. then the British thought, oh, no, we can't have this. <laughs> well, you got to think, too, you know, just think they're, I mean, the Dutch uh, left in, in the 1600s because of British oppression. So they ended up, yep. they ended up in South Africa where they could worship as they please and they this is the kalahari desert is so harsh but yet they found a way to farm and grow crops there so yeah and then two, oh but no oh heaven forbid the british we cannot have this we must rule the bloody world <laughs> <laughs> yeah i hate to say this taylor but we are out of time and it's been one hell of a conversation no, no kidding, man. Yeah, thank you for uh, thank you for having me on, and uh, and hopefully we can uh, continue this lovely soapbox uh, sometime soon. Yes, yes, we'll def- definitely have to talk again. I've got your number, and uh, it was great meeting you at the, uh, the at the Red Pill. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, great meeting you, man. I met a lot of really incredible people there, and uh, and uh, you were definitely one of the highlights, and. Uh, yeah, um, keep in touch, and uh, you know I'm a a guru of uh, antique arms. So if you ever want to have another gun talk, call me up. Yeah, <laughs> I got. I think you know I'm interested in uh, getting myself one of those Vivos <laughs> bunkers down there. So I, you know, if I get that unit uh, with some money I've got coming to me, uh, you know I'm going to be coming back that way, and I'm going to have to bring some toys, and we're going to have to do some shooting. Oh heck yeah, yeah! I'll uh, I'll bring out plenty of my old toys. I've got a couple. I got a flintlock, some other muzzle loaders. I got plenty of old military guns. Oh yeah, well we'll have a ball. All right. Well, thank you so much. You take care. Yep. You too, man. Take care. All right. There you have the conversation I had with Taylor Burtz out of Rapid City, South Dakota. It is time to go to our next music set. Coming up, we have Tom McDonald. uh, This is a new song that he came out with about maybe 10 days ago. You're going to love this one. He'll be followed by Blacklight District. Then we have Christina Taylor, Dollskin, and Gypsy Blood. Be right back after this. How dare you and who in the hell fuck do you think you are? You're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we're proper gentlemen, because we always ask... Do you mind if I fart? You really know how to waste a Cialis, don't you? You're abusing my fan.
If you lie to the government, they'll put you in prison. But when they lie to all of us, it's called being a politician. You think taking guns away will save our kids from the killings? But you're pro-choice. Abortion kills way more children. If America's so terrible and racist, it probably isn't safe to encourage immigration. Just saying, all the contradictions are embarrassing. You know who hates America the most? Americans. Trigger warnings used to be on TV for seizures. And now they're everywhere to protect millennials' feelings. He, she, his, him, hers, them, they. Screw a pronoun, because everyone's a retard these days. Here I'm preaching at the protest that hatred's the problem. But hating straight men, white folks, and Christians is common. Coca-Cola telling people they should be less white. They preach intolerance, but if you disagree, they fight. There's a race war here. Elections based on fear. Black lives only matter once every four years. Soldiers died for this country, and every one of us benefits. Give welfare to the bums and forget about the veterans Black folks and white folks divided by the news But we are all the same, we are red, white, and blue Ashamed to be American? Okay, that's cool Cause honestly, we are all ashamed of you too Y'all are so fake, oh no The forecast said that there'd be snowflakes Whoa, you can make us see it your way No way, gasoline and propane More flames, oh no they set us up to fail, that's what they built the system for Put an ammunition shop across the street from a liquor store Empowering women used to be different than this before The role models got OnlyFans or dance on a stripper pole Screw it, I ain't tripping, I don't mean to be mean But if our children are the future, then our future is bleak They take an Adderall to focus, hit McDonald's to eat They're addicted to phones and they take Xanax to sleep They blurred the lines dividing communism and democracy In 2021, we paint the patriots as Nazis The men playing women's sports get trophies for winning Like, great, let's celebrate a man for beating some women If you're black, your life matters You're supposed to embrace it If you're rich or you're smart Then you're probably Asian If you're gay, then you're brave All of that I'm okay with But if you're white, the stereotype is You are a racist Blaming capitalism like that's the reason things are tough While you tweet from an iPhone and sip on a Starbucks You're supporting what you stand against You don't think you are, but A Percocet addict don't donate money to pharma Damn, dog, we're all afraid to speak the truth And the more afraid we get, the more we hate the ones who do You're ashamed to be American? Okay, that's cool Cause honestly, we are all ashamed of you too Y'all are so fake, oh no The forecast said that there'd be snowflakes Whoa, you can make us see it your way No way, gasoline and propane More flames, oh no No more snowflakes We can all get along, but there's no stopping Everybody's wrong, that's a real problem They don't wanna hear it, but they still talking Soon enough, we running out of options this ain't gonna end till it's in the coffin Ay, We ain't gonna be friends till we try to squash it Ay, I don't know how we can make amends or we drop it Snowflakes melt when it's hot, kid Y'all are so fake, oh no The forecast said that there'd be snowflakes Whoa, you can make us see it your way No way, gasoline and probe More flames, oh no Hey, you. Why are you messaging my girlfriend on Facebook? Who you think you should? What? Hello? Look, I know damn well you know. You know what I'm talking about. Who is this? 
Oh, yeah, you little punk ass trying to ask my girl for flipping pictures, huh? For some titty pictures? Well, who the hell do you think you are? Serious? And is this like some kind of like. Oh, um, you got attitude now? Huh? Anime you want to talk face to face? No, I want to talk to you. What are you talking about? Oh, no, I think you need a face to face meeting. Where you at, homeboy? I'm not going to tell you where I am, face-to-face. Let's go, homeboy. Where you at, huh? No, if you have a beautiful girlfriend, <laughs> then right. you know what? You better old dog up dog. her ass and say, and make sure that she... Got no time for my game. I put it on a shelf. And this money and fame ain't going to earn itself. I'm not wasting my time. You better recognize the fame, the hustle, the pain, the redness in my eye. When the pressure goes down, you throw the towel in. But for me and my crew, that's where the work begins. At the end of the day, we like to cut it loose. By the end of the night, we're making bodies move.
tea with a beer I didn't even want to drink Party full of people there that didn't even know my name Didn't like what I was wearing Dressing like I want to be Didn't like the crowd I came with No, I didn't even like me Until I lost that guy Thank God He was no good
I know you're headed for the border You're gonna leave while you still can Out on the run If you just tear from law and order But you can't run forever, outlaw man Killed a man in Amarillo You pulled your guns and shot him down And just before you crossed that river at the radio You put two more fellas six feet underground You tried to run but I won't let you They say the devil's on your side But I'm gonna push you past the point of desperation Cause you can't run the mystery you can't hide You try to run but I won't let you But until then I'm like a shadow right behind you And I'm coming with a six gun in my hand
USAC Incorporated, the United South Africa Coalition, comprises groups and individuals around the world working together to create public global awareness of the genocide in South Africa and to develop community restoration programs that will make South Africa a safe place for all races to thrive. USAC works to inform world leaders of the present-day conditions in South Africa through documents, news reports, images, videos, publications, petitions, and witness statements. To unite with South African leaders to bring meaningful assistance to people in South Africa. To educate and develop trade schools to improve the quality of life in South Africa. To enact employment laws that are fair and equal for all in South Africa. And to work on trade development projects to improve South Africa's economy. To join USAC and for more information about USAC and what you can do, visit usac.center. This is the Renegade Show. You have three different scenarios here, and I'll give them to you. No, I said scenarios, not Cheerios. Coming to you coast to coast and around the world on your favorite radio station. How did you get Cheerios from scenarios? All right, it's time for the Renegade Pick of the Week countdown. Here we go, counting it down all the way to number one. Who farted? Yeah, we'd like to welcome you to the Renegade family. Does anybody even remember Dookie Hauser? I think it's fair to warn you that by listening to this show, you're committing a misdemeanor in four states. Three children are asking their parents where babies come from. Two children run away, and one mother ends up crying by the end of the show. This is the Renegade Show. Go to Facebook.com slash Radio Chris Master to find out days, times, and stations of where you can catch the Renegade Show. Left-wing community organizers and campus radicals in Idaho want to indoctrinate Idaho kids from cradle to college, teaching them hate America propaganda, that white people are inherently racist, gun rights are evil, and it's okay to swap genders. Idaho state representatives will vote soon on Senate Bill 1193 that would give $6 million to a leftist organization that teaches this nonsense to Idaho's youngsters. You can stop this. Join Idaho Freedom Action to put an end to this leftist takeover of education in Idaho. Visit IdahoFreedomAction.org. Join the fight against Idaho Senate Bill 1193. Visit IdahoFreedomAction.org today. IdahoFreedomAction.org. Support Outlaw Radio and friends and buy some cool stuff in the store section of OutlawRadioABS.com. Show the world how much you love Outlaw Radio with Outlaw Radio t-shirts and hats. In the CTM store, a service of Caravan to Midnight, find items to help make your life easier and better, including water purification by Berkey, delicious long-term storable food by My Patriot Supply, the New Eden Nutritional Support System, the Ionic Toothbrush System, a better way to clean your teeth, the Invisible Mask, a negative ion generator, that hangs from your neck like a pendant that mitigates incoming pollution. The High Ion Bio-Key Quantum Scalar Energy Pendant, EMF Mitigating Fabrics and Clothing, and some really cool infrared night vision binoculars. In the Cranked Up Coffee Shop, a service of Cranked Up Live, entertain your taste buds with coffee that even the aficionados love. Some of the best blends from around the world, including Serato and Grindhouse Brew. Visit OutlawRadioABS.com and click on the store link. A service of Outlaw Radio and AOW Productions. Please shut the fuck up, Benjo! 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Coldcock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take a shot. You must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, gear up, let's train. And USAC, the United South Africa Coalition. Go to USAC.center for more information. The songs you just heard, you just heard Gypsy Blood with Bringing Back the Dead. Before that, Doll Skin with Furious Fixation. Before that, Christina Taylor with Loser. Before that, Blacklight District with with me now. And starting off the whole set, Tom McDonald and Snowflakes. And uh, damn, yeah, they got Tom McDonald. Uh, he speaks facts. He speaks truth. So therefore, they have to say he's a racist, even though there's not a fucking thing he says that's racist. But it's all beside the point anyway. Got a new segment to the show, and with that said, let's get to it. I don't care who you're voting for, Democrat or Republican, you need to be able to prove who you are. Because what's to stop tons and tons of individuals for whatever party, for whatever office, of registering repeatedly and sending different people into polling stations or the same person into polling stations over and over and over again using different voter registration cards when they've obviously voted fraudulently several times over. This is the Steve Solution with Stephen James on Outlaw Radio. All right. The Steve Solution, and of course for this one, we have the one and only, the founder of AOW Productions, the icon, Stephen James. What's going on? Billy, how are you doing, man? Hey, I can't complain. Wouldn't do a damn bit of uh, good if I did anyway. So, Well, I think that would just make you a Democrat then. Shit. <laughs> Even though I have voted for a couple of Democrats in the past, never for president, though. I'll vote for anyone that's going to do the job right, but uh, haven't found too many Democrats that will. So, hey, hey, you know what? I've already said, you know, I mean, you can't fuck up California and, uh, already uh, since uh, Gavin Newsom has already done the job there. So uh, I'm willing to give Caitlyn Jenner a chance. I want to see that happen just because I want to see liberals' heads explode. Because on one hand, they're going to want to bitch about the politics, but then they won't be able to bitch about the transgender because they have to be super supportive of that, and they're not going to know whether to fucking shit or go blind. <laughs> and it's going to be hilarious either way. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So, uh, so for the first edition of the Steve Solution, you want to talk about what's going on in the border, and I got to say... It is a clusterfuck beyond all clusterfucks that I, like I've never seen before. No, you're absolutely right. And before we get started on the segment, just because I want everyone to be able to have their say in any of the topics that we discuss here. Uh, so if you'd like to send any opinions in, uh, either by email, you can do that at the Steve Solution at gmail.com. Or if you would like to leave a voicemail message to be played on a later edition of the show, you can certainly do that by calling 1732-962-4824. Easy way to remember that is 732-YO-BITCH. <laughs> 
You know, that's what it spells. And uh, let's not forget, too, that uh, we do have the Outlaw Radio feedback line. And uh, if you want to uh, leave feedback about that, uh, of course, uh, that number is 208-957-7016. And uh, just as I said before, all positive and negative feedback will be played on the air. Right, so you know, decide what you want to say because if you come off looking like an asshole or an idiot, it's going to wind up on the air and we'll have a good time with it either way. Your phone number will be protected, though. If you happen to leave a phone number, we will bleep it out, so we'll take care of that part. Yeah, we don't want anybody giving you crank calls. <laughs> yes. At any rate, as far as today's show, we are going to be covering a lot of different topics in various episodes, but this one really is just kind of been hitting a lot lately and that of course is the entire situation with immigration mainly because of the fact that since this idiot president of ours has taken office we've had 11 million new illegals in this country wait a minute wait a minute i i gotta correct you they're not new illegals no this idiot of a president who stole the election. Fair point. But we now have a total of 11 million illegal immigrants in the United States right now with record numbers coming across the border every single month into the hundreds of thousands just since he has taken office. And he sits there and makes speeches talking about, you know, how he you know, need to protect our borders, but that we need to just, you know, let everybody that's here stay here. And he's doing absolutely nothing to protect the borders. As a matter of fact, he's doing the exact opposite. He already completely halted the construction of the border wall, which is a massive, massive mistake. He turns and sends the moronic vice president to these countries where we're getting all the illegals from and what happens there the people aren't cheering her because the people from those countries that actually take pride in their country don't fucking like her they're not wanting to see their citizens leave hell the president of guatemala had a meeting with her and said publicly that the biden administration's protocols and procedures on border security are a fucking joke. Um, you know, that, that reminds me too. And I've, I've just got to, I've got to play this. Um, obviously, uh, you, you know, I hear that, uh, Michael Savage has been yanked off the air and of course he's now stuck to podcasts and all that. Uh, but there was a call that, you know, you're bringing all this up there was a call that he got uh, during one of his shows on uh, the Savage Nation, and just listening to this fucking retard, fucking retard, and I'll say it again, fucking retard. Obviously, I, Michael Savage uh, showed no tolerance for this. So I got, I just got to play this, Stephen. If you give me just a moment, okay. We go first in this hour to Biloxi, Mississippi. Crystal, go ahead. You're on the Savage Nation. Yeah, I want to know what your problem is with people from other countries. Because not only did you say something about immigrants, you said something about people from China, from China too. Crystal, Crystal, slow down. We can't understand you. What's your main point? 
Okay, it just sounds to me like you're kind of racist. Like you have a problem with people. Ooh, I'm a racist. I'm a racist. What, for saying that we don't owe them free medical care? Where's the racism in that, Crystal? Chinese people, too. What is your problem with Wait, wait, wait a minute. What does Chinese have to do with this? We're talking primarily about illegal aliens. No one mentioned China except you. Are you sure you're not a racist? No, I'm not a racist. What I'm saying well, is... How do, wait a minute now. You raised the issue, the specter of racism. You might be a racist. I want you to prove to me now, are you now or have you ever been a racist against Chinese people? I've never been a racist against anybody. How it can you like prove that? How can you prove you're not a racist against Chinese people? Here I was talking about the illegal aliens from Mexico. I mentioned countries, by the way. Mexico, El Salvador, Nicaragua, Guatemala, and you bring up China. Are you sure you don't have a thing against Chinese people, Crystal? It's the way you're saying it. Oh, now you're doing a thought police thing. I mean, you don't like my tone, do you, Crystal? No, you know what? You know what? You can go ahead and you can sit here and you try to make me sound like an idiot. You are an idiot. It's not too difficult to do. What makes you such an expert on racism? What gives you the qualification to sit there in judgment on another man's racism, so-called? What have you done for an illegal alien recently? Tell me what you've done for one of them recently. Have you given them a free meal? Where are you, Crystal? Have you given an illegal alien recently a free ride, a free meal, a free house? What have you done for an illegal alien recently, Crystal? Oh, there she is, yeah. They sit there in their trailer park, tell me I'm a racist. Well, that wasn't the clip that I expected, but that one will most certainly do. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, that's kind of the general point in liberals. If you disagree with anything they say, that's their number one thing that they always come back with, if you disagree with them and you use facts and actually know what you're talking about versus just having a half-assed formed opinion or do what CNN tells you to do, then you're obviously a racist. Well, Stephen, I mean, when we first started doing all this, you know, when we started doing shows, whether, you know, you got uh, you and Tommy Coolwater bashing or I'm bashing, we, we started it in the phone world. And I'm going to make a very accurate, in my opinion, accurate comparison here. Um, you know, we've, we've dealt with, uh, with all kinds of phone world chat line retards. And uh, if we found facts on them and we were going to bash them, we brought it out and, <laughs> and basically mentally destroyed them, verbally destroyed them. You know, but then, you, you, you know, I, I got nothing against Gordon or, uh, you know, and I can't stand Fresno, but these two guys are two prime examples right here. So they don't have any facts on you, so they're going to make shit up and scrape from the bo bottom of that proverbial barrel. And, of course, the oldest insults are, especially in the phone world or on even on uh, stupid uh internet threads is you're gay, you're fat, you're ugly, you, you know, you're a pedophile, you know, that when they don't know a damn thing about you, those are the first things they say. That's been going on for God knows how many years. So the new bottom of that proverbial barrel is some kind of ism or some kind of phobe. Oh, absolutely. And that one of the bad things about, you know, being a conservative anymore is if you get painted with that racism brush, 
then you can effectively, you know, with the whole counter or cancel culture thing is, you know, somebody's entire life and their livelihood can be ruined because somebody doesn't like something they say. So they go, well, you're a racist. Well, and you, you have people like Michael Savage who get yanked off the air. You have actresses like uh, Gina Carano who got kicked off and out of Disney in the Star Wars universe because she's a conservative. You have people like James Woods that can barely get a job anymore because he has opinions that don't match with the rest of Hollywood. John Voight, too. Right, John Voight. Ted, uh, Tom, Ted Nugent's having a hard time booking gigs. Uh, down to people like that. Kid and Rock, if, if Tom Selleck didn't have an ironclad contract... CBS probably would have canceled him, too. Yes, yes. You know, we we're seeing all this cancel culture bullshit because, the, because somebody doesn't agree with the main narrative. You give... I mean, uh, there, there's one song by uh, Stuck Mojo, and the very, the very first line in it is, uh, the thought police is now activated, no disagreements will be tolerated. Now, I Steve said it very eloquently years ago. Freedom of speech. Just watch what you say. Yeah. Yes. But, but getting back to the whole immigration thing, you know, just because we want secure borders and we don't want people entering this country without signing the guest book and filling out the paperwork and finding out exactly who they are, suddenly, you know, we're racist or xenophobic or anything that else they can hurl at us, but it doesn't make a damn bit of difference because with this current administration, they're just going to throw open the damn borders until we finally get a Republican back in office who can do something about it. And you know, Stephen, I'm that that right there. I'm very nervous about that because people are predicting there's going to be a Republican, a, a red wave in 2022, filling up the, the House and the Senate. But this last, last election has made me so skeptical now because they've proven how they can cheat. And uh, they want to pass a law now that makes every single state go dominion, no more paper voting. And then some idiot came up with an idea that, and uh, by the Biden administration thinks it's a great idea that if your ballot is going to be on paper, well, if it's not mail-in voting, you step into the booth and it's almost like a confessional, a Catholic confessional booth. There's somebody on the other side and you tell them who you wish to vote for. Now, how, are you going to trust that? Absolutely not. But then again, we're talking about, you know, a president that and a, and a party for that matter that has basically perfected the art of voter fraud i mean why in the hell would there be why would anybody with a half a brain think that having to have identification to vote to be sure that you are eligible to vote that you are a citizen that you are not a felon that you are of age, whatever the you know criteria may be, why does anyone think having to have identification 
to vote is a bad thing. Yeah, and by the way, uh, the, the idea of having somebody on the other side taking down your votes, I think that was uh, that came from uh, some dipshit by the name of Eric Swalwell. It, well, you know, and of course, he's got Gavin Newsom's cock in his mouth at all times. But, um, you know, there somebody else said, and I can't tell you who, who this was to uh, quote this, but uh, they said, you know, some Democrats said, if... We can't get, if we can't get votes, we'll get people to vote for us, you know. And so I think that idea is coming from having open borders and letting illegal aliens who don't belong here. I mean, they've already done this in New York because I talked to somebody in New York. They said, uh, we're, in, we're in Florida and uh, even here in Idaho, you show your ID, you can go vote in New York. Just give them your name, and they give you a ballot. Yeah, that makes absolutely zero sense. I mean, you know, here where I live in Arkansas, when I go to vote in any election, whether it be uh, presidential, midterm elections, congressional, Senate, right down to, you know, voting, we just had an election here in my town for mayor. We're mm -hmm. talking a town of... I want to say about 900 people. Everybody in this town knows everybody. I know personally the person that was running the polls that day. Ma I literally, I live three doors down from this person. We know each other well. Guess who had to show ID? I did. You know, there, uh, John B. Wells, uh, about a month and a half ago, had a gentleman on uh, Caravan of Midnight by the name of Kevin Ship. Kevin Ship's proved that, uh, well, once CIA, always CIA, because, uh, you know, the questions came about about a, a thing called the hammer, and uh, Kevin Ship said, well, I put that matter to bed. The hammer is a hoax. Then John went to a commercial, and then they came back, and uh, he wanted to talk about this surge at the border and uh, where all these Biden T-shirts that they're wearing ha had come from. Of course, Kevin's still stuck on the on the uh, the subject of the hammer, and uh, it, it just abruptly and rudely ends the conversation with John, which I, th I thought, you know, I mean, John's a friend of mine. He just totally disrespected him, so that kind of pissed me off. But that's an, that's another conversation right there. But John, John was making a good point. He's talking about all these these people coming from places as far as Mexico, Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, and the majority of them are wearing Biden T-shirts. Now, who is funding that? You know, because it's, it's at least $100 for a minimum of three T-shirts made. We're talking thousands of these T-shirts being made. Is it the taxpayers that's funding these T-shirts? I have no doubt about it that, that that's the case right there. Uh, my guess would be somebody funneling money down from George Soros, but that's just my thought. And that's another thing, too. I mean, uh, George Soros has had this country. He's had any democracy... That's, uh, you know, that's free market capitalists in his crosshairs ready to destroy. He's, he's been ready, you know, I mean, he's, de he's 
decimated other economies, and he's it's just his lifelong ambition to destroy the U.S. And of course, it's already found out, proven that he funds Black Lives Matter, he funds Antifa, and he also funds the Proud Boys. So he's you know he's funding both sides to get a to get a good war going. How else? What's a good way to start crashing the economy? And I don't even think it comes down to, you know, personal beliefs or anything like that with somebody like George Soros. It always comes down to money. And if he's spending this kind of money, it's because he sees something in the bigger picture that if he can accomplish his goals, he's obviously going to make a ton of money. He's not doing any of this out of some personal ambition to see the world a certain way. It all comes down to dollars and cents with with anybody of money. You know, and um, don't think that uh, slavery in the U.S., we already know that uh, common slavery is still alive and well, and the, tr- the slave trade is going on in the Middle East where they're still taking black people from countries like Uganda and Nigeria and where- wherever else, you know, and, and they're in the slave trade in the Middle East. But slavery is very well alive here in the U.S., it's no longer picking cotton or tobacco, and nobody's cracking a whip. It's people who who are so stupid they don't even realize that they're that they're enslaved. And we're talking black people, white people, enslaved to their good old master Georgie Porgy Soros. I mean, even in the regard, regards of you know human trafficking, that's one of the bigger issues with immigration is with this unprecedented number of people coming across the border, we don't know who any of them are. We don't know how many of them are coming willingly, how many people are being sold into prostitution or indentured servitude, whether that, you know, be, you know, back in the day it was picking cotton. Now it's more like you're, you're going to be this rich couple's nanny because we own your ass and they're going to pay you $500 a week and we're going to take 400 of it until you pay off your debt for getting you into the United States. That's how the whole coyote thing works. It's not just the fact that, and don't get me wrong, I have no doubt that a good majority of these people that are wanting to get into the United States do want to have a better life for themselves and their families and children. And I don't have a problem with that per se, I do have a problem with the fact that they're doing it illegally. Oh, I have a big problem with that myself too. And yeah, I mean, you know, you come to this country, you sign the guest book, you you work, you get your green card. You know, I I don't have a problem with that. But if you're trying to tunnel under the wall or what, however they're doing it now. I have a serious problem with that, a very serious problem with that. Not only that, too, but the Democrats, and this has been going on for, for I don't know how long, too, but uh, we get somebody over here from the uh, cartel. He's selling drugs, and he finds he, he has a problem with, uh, with somebody that owes him money, so he tracks him down at their house, kills the man in brutal fashion, rapes and kills his wife, and the cops catch him and arrest him, and he's given amnesty? 
That's what that's what they want. That's what the Democrats have talked about for a long time is given. It's like they, it doesn't matter what the fuck they do, no matter how brutal the fashion it was. It's amnesty for immigrants. Uh, the Biden has very clearly and very recently, I believe it was less than a month ago, held a speech on one end trying to talk about border security, uh, which made no sense. You know, we have to strengthen our borders. Well, we were doing that. We were building a big ass wall. But then he turned right around and said, but, you know, we have 11 million, uh, sorry, as they call it, undocumented. No, the word is illegal. We have 11 million illegals here, and it just doesn't make sense to send them back. Well, actually, yeah, it does, but be that as it may, once again, just like his, you know, former boss, Obama, he threw out the concept of a huge blanket amnesty bill. (sighs) And you know what? I can agree on one possible version of amnesty. If every single one of the people that wants amnesty and wants the chance to become a citizen, if they walk into their local INS office and fill out all the proper paperwork, including the ability to get a background check from their country of origin and, you know, get all their information out on the table. If they want to go through and, and, you know, just put it all down on paper and let us decide, Hey, you know, Okay, you know, you're a good person. You have no criminal record. You've been working the same job for the past six years that you've been in this country or whatever. They want to fill out all mm-hmm. the paperwork. You know what? I'll go ahead and I'll go with that one. All right. So, Stephen, we are running out of time, but uh, really quick, uh, we got to make this very quick. What is the Steve solution to the issue, in your opinion? You know, I'd like to say I have some new radical point of a solution, but the solution is very, very simple. You get caught trying to cross the border. You do a year of prison time in the U.S., then you get your ass shipped back to your country of origin, and before that, build the fucking wall, or finish the wall, I should say, because it's already been started. All right. Well, uh, yeah, we are out of time. Um, Next week, there will not be a show because I will be attending Highway 30 Music Fest and the next two shows after that, I'll be playing the interviews that I conduct at that show. But uh, Stephen, this has been a very interesting topic and uh, look forward to more of these segments. Well, thank you very much for having me and I look forward to doing more shows. Uh, If anybody out there listening has any topics that they would be interested in us talking about here, go ahead and drop us a line at... uh, the Steve Solution at gmail.com, uh, the Outlaw Radio feedback line, or of course, 732 Yo Bitch. And we'll take anything you have to say under consideration. And who knows, your idea might be the next one up. All right. So we're going to end the show with Devils of America and Broken Road. Thank you very much for tuning into Outlaw Radio. And I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Are you tired of modern pop music that sounds like a dog fucking a squeaky toy? Well, that's why you're listening to Outlaw Radio. We tell bad bed music to piss up a rope. We give you our opinions, and if a fight breaks out, so fucking what? This is Outlaw Radio.
Hey everyone, Bad Billy here. Do you own a business? Or perhaps you're in a band. Or maybe you run a radio show or podcast. Whatever you do, you want to market your brand with custom-made apparel. Look no further than Fresh Baked Tees. T-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, caps, beanies, koozies, banners, and even masks. You can get them all custom-made from Fresh Baked Tees. Prices are reasonable and negotiable. Simply go to freshbakedtees.com, submit your logo, and place your order today. If you've been searching for a show that talks about what's trending in the world, entertainment gossip, stupid news, and more, sizzling talk radio that is not dumbed or watered down, a show that is not for pussies, then you need to stop searching and check out The Charles Richardson Show. It's uncensored talk radio. No crybabies. No losers. No futtards. Charles Richardson and crew bring it 100% with real opinions. If you can't take it, Get the fuck out. You can even call the show and flap your gums, provided you have a brain. For the 411 stations and showtimes, like The Charles Richardson Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The Charles Richardson Show. Some material may not be suitable for children under 18. The Charles Richardson Show. You want some? Come get some. How do you stop a terrorist from waking up tomorrow and shooting everyone in Times Square? That threat is on the president's desk every single morning, and our failure to take it seriously proves how weak we've become. That's what happens when the country is run by political and media cowards who cling to their naive belief that the whole world shares our values. Even when Americans are slaughtered by hate-filled jihadists on our own soil, Radical Islam is as evil, violent, and threatening to the future of the world as the Nazis were. It is a tragedy that at a time of such confusion, America is led by people so gutless that instead of identifying the enemy, they distract us with political attacks on the gun rights of the law-abiding. I don't know what motivates politicians, but I know the rule of war. The weak get slaughtered, and we are at war. I'm the National Rifle Association of America, and I'm freedom's safest place. Hi, it's the Big Voice Guy, the one who intros and promos the show you're listening to right now. Hi, my name is Jim Hunt. I voice for a growing list of internet and terrestrial radio stations, podcasts, and businesses. I'd love to spread the word about yours, too, no matter if the message is serious or silly. Whether you want the delivery to be hard-hitting, voice of authority, or conversational, warm, and fuzzy. From fully produced station imaging and commercials to custom phone system messages on hold and IVR prompts, voiceovers for computer games to narrations for presentations, even post-production audio editing and audio cleanup services. Yeah, I do them too. I'm your guy. I do business as Jim Hunt voiceovers and audio services. My rates are reasonable and negotiable because I love internet radio too. Visit my website, jimhuntvo.com. I'm Jim Hunt, at your service. Put my voice and audio production skills to work for you. Let's do this. You have been listening to Outlaw Radio. Be sure to leave 
your feedback by calling 208-957-7016. All feedback is played and replied to on the show. Visit our official website at OutlawRadioABS.com. Outlaw Radio is a presentation of AOW Productions. Well, here I am sitting on a porch writing another song. like me man can't you see because you can't go wrong with one good outlaw song the outlaw song Jones Can't go wrong 